You're listening to the New Song Students Podcast. I'm Jackson, and I'm the student pastor at New Song Church, located in Oklahoma City. We hope this message builds your faith and helps you to know God better in a greater way today. Enjoy the message. Tonight, we are continuing an amazing series that we kicked off last week called Come and See. Somebody say, Come and See. Come and see. And uh, this is a series that I've been really, really excited to do this year with you guys, for you guys, for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think something that's so cool about testimonies, and Eman did an incredible job last week. Can we make some noise for Pastor Eman? Yes. Eman, I love you, dude. I love the way you serve your team. I love the way you serve us at New Song Students. And uh, I think you did Seriously, I think you did an incredible job laying the foundation for this series, so thank you. Um, But I hope you took good notes last week because this is a really important series uh, that we're going through, and here's why. And we talked about this, I think, two weeks ago as we closed out in the gray. We go deep here at New Song Students, right? Like, we don't play around. And and this year, we've covered a lot of ground in our series. We've gone deep. We've dug into God's Word, and I am all for digging deep into God's word. But the cool thing about a testimony is a testimony, what it kind of does is it kind of breathes life into all of the stuff that we're learning here. So it takes it from being just this idea uh, to something that actually happened to me and something that actually happened to Hannah. Like Jesus, he's not just an idea. He's not just a historical figure that we look back to and try to remember. Like Jesus is alive. We just celebrated Easter. He's alive. He's very well And he's still in the business of changing lives today. Amen? Amen. So this is why testimonies are so important because we remind ourselves, oh, God's still changing lives, right? And last week, if you were here or if you weren't here, uh, Eman did a great job laying the foundation for the rest of this series. I want to just recap a couple things that uh, Pastor Eman talked about. Uh, The first thing that we learned was that a testimony, what is a testimony? It's super simple. It's just a story of God's goodness, right? Do you remember that? A testimony, that's all it is, is it's a story of God's goodness. And I loved Eman's story. It's not a story about you, right? Like we're not up here glorifying how awesome we are. A testimony is supposed to glorify who? Jesus, right. And it's a story of his goodness in our life, through our life. The second thing we talked about last week is that Um, testimonies, they're really important when you write them down or you think about them, but there's power when we speak them, when we share them. In fact, when you look at like the gospels and the book of Acts, how was the church spread? It was through testimonies. It was, it was people saying this, come and see, come and see what Jesus is doing. So when we speak, which is what we're about to do, when we speak our testimony, there's power in that. And then the last thing is that our stories matter. All of our stories matter. Yeah. Pastor Eman talked about this last week. It's kind of like the, the LED lights. You've got the red, blue, and green. You need every single color to have that pure white light, right? Yeah. In the same way, if we want to see Jesus clearly, we have to share our testimonies. Because the way that he's saved me and worked in my life is different than the way he's worked in your life. But when we share those, guess what? We see Jesus more clearly. Amen? So uh, tonight, we've got a very special opportunity to hear from Hannah's story. Can we make some noise for Hannah? Yeah. 
Um, if you don't know Hannah, she's amazing. Uh, she's recently married. Hello! To that stud muffin over there. Rock on. And uh, how's married life? It's awesome. It's wonderful. Yes, yes. that's what I'm talking it's about. It's awesome. Um, marry your best the, friend, y'all. Yes, that's right. Marry your best friend. Amen. So you're glowing, by the way. You're just like, I can tell you've just been married recently. So um, one, of the things that, uh, one of the things that I'm praying happens tonight, there's actually three things specifically that I'm praying happen tonight as we hear from Hannah's story. Um, the first thing is this. Uh, so many times we can just be busy and we can go through life. And maybe you've known Hannah for a couple months at New Song Students or a couple years, and you've known her but you don't know her story. What I want you to see and what I'm, what I'm hoping and praying that you see tonight is that this is just one of many stories in the room of Jesus moving in our lives. Yeah. And what I love about this series is we're slowing down and we're getting to see how Jesus has moved in Hannah's life specifically. But what I want you to know is that every single student in this room, every single leader in this room could also be on this platform tonight. And they could also be sharing a story of the goodness of God in their life. And so I challenge you during this series, maybe slow down when you're talking with one of your leaders outside in the, at playing nine square or doing whatever, you know, sometimes we stay so surface level, you know, we don't have to do that here, right? Like we can go deeper. We can find out what Jesus has done in our life. So what I'm praying is that you would see, oh, we've all been through some stuff in life. In fact, that's the second thing I'm praying that all of us would uh, have a revelation of is the fact that what we're gonna see tonight is Hannah's walked through some stuff. And it's, it's really cliche. There's, a, there's a, a phrase that pastors will say. They'll say, God will usually take your mess and turn it into a message. And I know that's really cheesy and cliche, but what you're gonna see tonight is that is 100% true. Like everybody, Jesus promises this in our life, we're gonna face trials. We're gonna face really sucky stuff we're going to face suffering. It's going to happen. But this is how good Jesus is. When you go through it, on the other side, you get a message. Not only that, I was listening to a message this week, and a pastor was talking about how not only do when you walk through suffering but do you get a, me a message, but you actually get authority over that thing that you suffered. Like, think about Jesus. Jesus went through suffering, right? And the thing that the enemy used to try and take out Jesus' death Guess what Jesus has authority over now? Death. So, like, if you're a person who's experienced suffering, maybe you've gone through a porn addiction and Jesus has taken you on the other side, guess what? You now have authority over that thing. And in the same way, what you're going to see is Hannah's got a really awesome story, and she's on the other side of it. That doesn't mean she's not going to face trials and things anymore, but she now has authority to speak into this area. It's really cool. So I think it's going to be an amazing time. I hope you guys are ready. Uh, but before we do, I think we should pray, right? So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to invite the Lord to speak to us tonight through Hannah and her story. So bow your heads, close your eyes. Father God, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much for this series, Come and See, that we are getting to walk out the story in John 4 where, where Jesus, you ministered to that Samaritan woman and what did she do? She experienced the living water of Jesus. And she went to the, the, to the town of Samaria and said, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And tonight, God, as we hear from Hannah's story, 
I pray that light bulbs would begin to, to go off, that Jesus, you are still alive, that Jesus, you are still moving, that Jesus, you are still changing lives. And, and right now, in fact, in your chair, I want you to just say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us tonight? We want you to move, and we pray that, that I wouldn't be glorified through this, that Hannah wouldn't be glorified through this, but God, that Jesus, you would appear on this platform, and you would be glorified through this testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Okay, Hannah, before we get into your story, yeah. um, I've got some very, very important questions that okay. we got to ask. Yes. Okay? Yeah. So, first one is this favorite cereal. Oh. <laughs> Captain Crunch. Ooh. Okay. okay. Brody's like, I approve. Yes. <laughs> Head of the household. We can have that. Okay. Um, are we talking like the with the berries in it? Okay, so married life, y'all. I never had Captain Crunch with berries in it until I married Brody, and that's one of his favorites. good man. And good man. We, uh, we bought it the other day at the grocery store, and that box disappeared in like two days. That's right. That's a good man. Whether it was from me or him is still determined. But. Okay. Okay. Good one. Um, <laughs> all right. Next one. Ready? Yeah. Book or movie? Movie. Movie. All right. <laughs> Any book nerds? Hannah Bookworms? doesn't read. We got, we got a few. We got a few. Okay. Next one. Here we go. Here we go. Okay. Online shopping or in-store shopping? Online. I agree. Online, 100%. I don't like people, so the more I can I agree. not I agree. deal with the busyness. Going, I, was, I was talking to somebody this week. I was going to get my Easter outfit, and I had to go in-store, uh, and Dude, I get panic attacks when I go shopping at the mall. I cannot stand shopping it's at the mall. because the mall's awful. Okay. Uh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. Best burger. Oh, I'm, I'm touching some. Are we talking fast food or like sit down? I don't know. I'll let you decide. Best burger. Hmm. I would probably say the garage. I respect that. I respect that. I respect that. Here's why it's the closest thing to an In-N-Out burger. Okay. Okay. This one is actually crazy. I was asking Haley for some help for questions today. And you think you know a person, okay? I, just, I learned something about my wife today that I'm, we, I seriously did not know she did this. Okay. This is going to be a funny sounding question, but sock, sock, shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe? Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. So you put, you put your socks on first, and then your shoes on. Y'all, Haley puts her sock and then a shoe on, and then sock and then a shoe on. Is Haley in here? No. I, I know. I was like. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know. I was like, are you kidding me? You've been doing that for the. Anyway, crazy. Um, okay, last one. No, sorry. Two more real quick. Two more real quick. Would you rather be chronically underdressed or overdressed? <laughs> Let's be honest. I would like to say over, but it's under. Yeah. It's under 100%. I I'm agree. in joggers 90%. I agree. Yeah, you, you rock the comfy clothes for sure. <laughs> and that's a compliment because not, not many people can do that. All right, last one. For y'all tonight. Last one. Last one. What really, what really is the best day of the week? Wednesday. That's right. 
That's right. Sorry, dude. I love you, Sorry, man. Sorry, <laughs> All right, Hannah. So I'm ready to jump into your story. You ready? Yeah. Um, so uh, Hannah, you, Hannah's got an incredible story. Last week we got to, uh, you know, I've known Hannah for I think almost three years now. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome. And I've known bits and pieces of her story. In fact, um, I didn't know this at the time, but when I invited you to start serving in students was kind of in the middle of a big part of your testimony, which we'll hear about tonight. Um, but last week I got to sit down with Hannah and I got to hear the whole thing. And I'm telling you, it's such an encouraging story of, of the restoration of Jesus in a person's life, the redemption of, the, of Jesus in a person's life. And, and ultimately the fact that like, man, God, he sees the suffering and the trials and the things that we're going to walk through before we ever could. And he's such a good father to walk us through those things. And so, uh, I'm, I'm, I need to stop talking, Hannah. Um, <laughs> uh, what do you, why don't you just tell us a little bit about, like, what was your family upbringing? What was it like growing up? What, what's, your, what's your story? And then kind of lead us into um, you meeting Jesus. I know that's a big question, but why don't you yeah, just, yeah. we got time. Let's just flow. Yeah, so um, I'm going to get real with you all tonight. It's going to go deep. Going deep. Um, so I was adopted and I was adopted from birth, so as long as I could know that I was adopted, I knew it was never a secret. Um, but with that being said, there was also obviously questions still at play in that. But um, I have two incredible parents that are actually here right now. They're awesome. Make some noise for um, Hannah's Sherry parents. Sherry and Steve back there, they're amazing. Um, with that, my dad was military. He was Air Force for 20 years and a pilot. So we moved around quite a bit growing up. Um, my mom used to joke around that she was like a single mom to two because when my dad was home, we fought like siblings. Um, and we have a very similar sense of humor. So, um, but yeah, my dad was military. And so we moved quite a bit. And then, uh, man, so... I grew up in church my whole life, um, never didn't know what the inside of a church building looked like. I'm, it's like kind of that joke of like, you don't have to be a pastor's kid, y'all, to literally feel like you live in a church building, For I real. promise you. <laughs> like, I felt like anytime the doors were open, I was probably there. Um, and then we moved to Oklahoma, and I was in fourth grade, and we kind of went through some stuff as a family just in that season. There's obviously a lot of things that happened before that too, um, but that kind of the start of things unraveling and in a hard but a good way of like God exposing a lot of things in our family was kind of during the season of moving to Oklahoma and then middle school for me. Yeah. Um, so I am an only child and then my biological parents had a son after me. So my brother and I are about two and a half years apart, but we were not raised together. Um, so my biological family kept my little brother, and then I was adopted. My birth mom got pregnant with me at 16, um, and there was never a, you know, a lot of stories. I'm very thankful that it wasn't a matter of she didn't want me or anything like that. It was truly a matter of the most selfless thing you could do, which was to give your only son, a lot like Jesus, to someone that could raise them. So, yeah. Yeah. and the story of Hannah in the Bible was a huge part of my story. So, um, with that being said, I was raised as an only child. Um, so spent a lot of time with my parents and not a lot of siblings involved, but, um, when I was in middle school, 
my dad, like I said, is a pilot, so he travels a lot for work. He was TDY a lot, um, just different things. And growing up, I always had a really good relationship with him and my parents both, but um, I never realized the, I guess, like trauma in a way that my dad being distant actually did play. And it wasn't his fault. It was just work. It was his life. And so, and unfortunately, he signed the dotted line to the military before I ever came into the picture. So um, I know it was hard on my mom, too, you know, raising a child kind of by herself, that that was not probably the original game plan. So, um, you know, just a lot of that as I matured and as I got into middle school and started to be able to hit an age of, you know, processing a lot of that childhood trauma in a way, I started to realize that in a weird way that wasn't his fault, I kind of felt like this abandonment were like from my dad. And so I really like during that season was trying to process that. And at that same time, my parents were walking some stuff out that was really crucial to their marriage and our family. Um, My dad had fallen away from their marriage and had stepped out of a covenant there. And so um, during that season, I, you know, had a lot of unforgiveness and unharbored feelings towards my dad that were already probably, you know, kind of bubbling to the surface after, like I said, maturing to a point of feeling kind of some of that abandonment. And then when all that started to play out, I really felt a lot of just like an un, like a release of a covering from a dad in a lot of ways. And so I remember just being in middle school and obviously he's still working, he's still flying, so he's still having to go out and provide for our family. So he's not home still quite often. And then I, you know, through that, I watched my mom truly heal in a very vulnerable way. And which was such a blessing to be a part of, but also one of the hardest things I had to be a part of. Um, and during that, I... So how old were you when your parents told you that yeah, that so, was happening in their marriage? So I was around 12 or 13. Um, and I was really processing with my mom during that. I also, my mom and I were buddies. And because it was just the two of us at home, 90% of the time is what it felt like. And so I really connected to my mom and I remember just feeling a lot of like almost defense towards my mom like you're not gonna hurt my mom like I'm gonna stand up and I remember feeling like even though it was not my place to carry I remember feeling like I had to carry a lot of that um just because of my dad stepping out of that covenant and feeling like nobody was protecting my mom I felt like now it was my job to protect her, which it wasn't. But I really remember feeling those kind of feelings. And then um, around that same time frame um, was my dad is one of four children. And so he has an older sister and then two younger brothers. And his youngest brother out of the three boys um, both brothers, truthfully, but one of them, like they had both been in and out of incarceration, prison, drugs and alcohol, different issues. Um, and, um, during that same time frame of my dad, you know, d- 
disclosing some stuff about his personal life, what he had been living kind of a second life in, in a lot of ways on the road, um, was the same time one of my uncles had gotten out of jail. And so he was, my dad had invited him because he hadn't spent Christmas with any part of our family and years I'd probably met him twice at this point and so he had offered kind of our house as a place to come and spend Christmas with us and um, during that season he was not clean he was telling people that he was and he was not clean and so um, he came and stayed with us and um, during that time my parents had actually left to go to a grocery store down the street from our house and my uncle had called me into our metal bedroom where he was staying and actually was in the process, like trying to molest me. And so I walked through a lot of confusion as a young girl, just like, what are these feelings and why do I feel betrayed by like somebody who's supposed to be your family, but somebody that you also don't know a ton. And so it was this weird dynamic of like, he's my uncle, but I don't have a relationship with him and he's hurting me and just a lot of things. And so um, it actually took me like two, two or three years to come out and tell my parents that. And it was because we were going out to look at a car at my grandparents' house that they were potentially going to offer for us to buy for myself when I was 16. And my dad had brought up seeing my uncle, and I went ballistic. And I was like, no, no. And they couldn't figure out, like, what was going on. And I finally disclosed that, you know, Uncle Glenn had molested me during that same season. And so I was just going through a lot of trauma and felt very abused and abandoned by, like, father figures and men in my life. And so... Um, kind of fast forward, I had told my parents I was about 15, 16 at the time. And during this, like I said, you know, I was raised in church. It was not uncommon for me to be in church, even during this process, but my heart was not in church. I was very distant. And so I, you know, was in the building going to youth. I was really connected to a church youth group at that time. Um, I was serving in this church youth group. I was one of, you know, their upperclassmen at this point, doing some mentorships, should not have been mentoring. (laughs) Um, And so I remember just really almost projecting my loss of a father figure onto who I thought our heavenly father was. And really held on to like, well, if my dad acts like this or if my dad steps out of a covenant of marriage, like why would you want to be married to the Lord? Or why would you want to connect yourself to Jesus if he's portrayed like as a male? And so, and then with my uncle, I just really struggled with men. (laughs) And, but also because of that, um, as funny as this might sound, I also found myself, myself chasing men because I wanted that validation. I wanted that acceptance that I hadn't been able to find or had been misused. And so I, you know, dated the wrong people (laughs) and got myself into a lot of 
just hurt and trauma in that and was abused by a boyfriend for a season of high school and just very verbally abusive and manipulative and kind of walked through that. And then um, when I graduated high school, well, first of all, so when I was 17, 16, 17, I had gone to a church camp that when my youth group growing up we went to camp, but then our upperclassmen and, like, leadership side of the youth group, we used to go to a camp called D-Camp, which was, like, true discipleship-type style camp. And I remember this was, you know, I was very distant from the Holy Spirit. God was foreign to me at this point, even though I was raised in it. So keep that in mind. And I went to this camp, and... And whenever we were in my office, you had told yeah. me you didn't want to go to this camp. No. Like I did. You had some walls up, yeah, right? Yeah, I definitely did, and it was mainly just because I didn't, I didn't want to connect with Jesus. To be honest with you guys, I was very hurt and very, like I said, projecting my earthly father onto our heavenly father. So I was very just jaded from the Lord, and I went to this camp, and I remember the pastor, you know, was talking about. The first night he was talking about father wounds and how we project our father onto our heavenly father. And I remember just sitting in the chair going, this is a joke. Okay. Yeah, like, the Holy Spirit all right, will do that. This is a joke. And then yeah. the second night, the other thing that I had been struggling with a lot was I really struggled with like supernatural stuff to do with the Holy Spirit. So speaking in tongues, all of that. And I really remember like I just was my mom, like I grew up in a house where it wasn't uncommon, but I just didn't understand or grasp it. And so the same camp, the first night, like I said, was father wounds and pinpointing that issue. And I'm just wrecked and ticked and angry all at the same time, y'all. And then if that wasn't enough of God's humor, then the second night was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I was like, okay. So the second night was the pastor was talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and that it's not just, you know, your spiritual prayer language, but it's truly like the helper who God, the reason he ascended into heaven was to be your helper. And so I, I'm so stubborn, y'all. Nothing has, so much has changed, but also nothing has changed in my personality. I'm still this stubborn. And so I remember sitting in a chair a lot like you guys are right now listening to me and he was talking about this and he said, if you guys want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd love for you guys to come up so we can lay hands on you a lot like we do at altar ministry here. And I kid you not, you guys, I sat in my chair just like where Pastor Eman is right now, gripping the chair and I was like, I'm not going. I am not going up there. And I was truthfully, I was like, God, if you are real and you want to truly speak to me and you want to show yourself to me, you're going to talk to me right here. In this chair, I'm not moving, I'm not budging, nobody's laying their hands on me, I don't want weird people touching me, speaking in tongues over me, like, I'm like, no, and, y'all, the Holy Spirit was like, okay, fine, literally, the Holy Spirit was like, all right, here you go, so, kid, I'm not even joking, hit the floor, I couldn't even sit in a chair, I hit the floor, and was so wrecked by the Holy Spirit, and just the tangible love that God had for me. And so I went back home. I remember being super on fire, you know, for the Lord, just telling my mom everything that had happened, super on fire. And then life happens, guys. Life happens. And so I, you know, went through the rest of high school, 
And at the end of high school, I was a lifeguard. For those that you don't know that, I was a lifeguard for a long time. And so I can save your life if you need it. But I'd prefer not to. Um, yeah, I was a lifeguard once for a church camp, and the whole time I was like, I really don't want to have to do my yeah, job. Yeah, I really don't want to have to do that. I'll actually leave it to Molly to save your life, yeah, so we'll yeah, leave yeah, it there. Yeah. Um, but I, like, you know, life just happened, and I became, I was a senior in high school, and I actually met a guy my senior year of high school lifeguarding, and he was my now ex-husband. So I was married prior. I got married super young. I got married at 21. And, you know, when you're 21 and people are giving you warnings and you're seeing things, but you don't want to live in that reality, you want to live in your own little bubble of, but he loves me. <laughs> and so... And during this time when you, when you had met him and were pursuing marriage, uh, were you, would you say you were serving the Lord at that time? Like you had made that, you had yeah. had that encounter with God. I would say I was serving the Lord, but not nearly to the capacity of what I needed to be. So I had a relationship with God and I kind of prided myself. So when I got in this relationship with my ex-husband, I remember kind of feeling like, well, I'm stronger in my faith than he is. So I must be doing okay. Like it was kind of like this just power struggle of like, well, I'm like he was your gauge. Yeah, like I'm more further along than he is, so I must be pretty spiritual, which y'all he wasn't spiritual at all, so there was a problem there. That that was a gauge was probably a problem. <laughs> so I we got married at I was 21 and just really went through it. Um he was also adopted and had a lot of trauma, which a lot of this I won't you know, spill his dirty laundry all over the place, but just came from a lot of stuff. He was born and raised in Russia, and so there's a lot of turmoil that happens over there. And so when he came to America and was adopted, he was adopted by a family that honestly also wasn't very strong in their faith. They were strong legalistically and religiously, but not in a personal connection with yeah. Jesus. And so... He went from almost like one shame to another. <laughs> and so he really struggled with just his identity and sexual things because things had been done to him and just a ton of stuff. And so when we got married, um, he had an alcohol addiction and I somewhat knew that he struggled with alcohol, but I didn't know to the degree until you're married, and it's a lot harder to hide things <laughs> when you're living in the same house with someone. So um, keep that in mind for you students as you, you know, embark on adulthood and marriage. Take care of your stuff now, because I promise you it comes out. Um, but I, you know, he was running our accounts into negative on multiple occasions. I was trying to figure out what we were going to do. He was constantly getting written up at work. And at one point he, he ended up losing his job with that employment. And then just a lot of things led to another. Um, I found out that he had also stepped out of covenant of our marriage and not once, but multiple times and through our entire relationship was not faithful. And, so, um, you know, I just really honestly was kind of dumbfounded, but I was also in this place of like, again, gauging my life and my spirituality and my relationship with the Lord based off of other people. And so I was, you know, connected 
to my mom still a lot, and during that season, she was a huge help, but I also found myself comparing myself to her. So it was like, well, if my mom stayed, then I should stay. Like, if my mom could do it, I could do it. And so I really, like, kind of, instead of doing it for the right reasons, I almost, like, prided myself to, like, be strong. Like, like, like I could I'm do gonna it. Save this yeah, marriage. I'm going to save this marriage. And that's uh, not the case. So, <laughs> also, it takes two people. So, when you have one person that is all in to truly save a marriage and go through counseling and do all that, but you have another person who is in counseling, but doesn't want to be there and is very just guarded and like I said y'all a lot of that was not even all him as much as it is just upbringing yeah. um and lack of trying to get healed but um so I this was in November so we got married in 2018 and by November of 2018 we were already having countless amounts of issues and so um, and how old were you again? I was 20. So at that time, I would have been 22. So, Crazy. yeah. And so we are living in an apartment and trying to figure life out. He's trying to keep a job to save his life and just a lot of things. And so um, we are in marriage counseling at this point, and I'm trying to, you know, decipher, like, what is too much? What's my limit? What's my breaking point? And I'm, like, finally starting to, like, okay, I think I can do this. I think I can mend this. And I also really was holding on to, like I said, that I felt like I was stronger in my faith than he was. So I had this huge fear and, like, almost grip on me that, like, when you love someone, you want the best for them. And so I also had this huge fear of, like, well, if I walk away, then who's going to save him? And so I really held, like, myself almost in the place of who God needed to be in Alex's life. And so that was in November of 2018. And then in January of 2019, we were about to buy a house and, um, which don't do that when you're already going through 20 million issues with you a spouse. You don't think a house would you solve all the problems? You don't need no? a house. Don't do that. <laughs> so we thought that was going to fix the issue. I was sadly mistaken. But we were 13 hours from signing our final documents on this house, putting our down payment, closing everything. And his parents call him and ask him to come over, that I wasn't allowed to come, the whole nine-yard thing. And... Um, his biological sister that was adopted with him had tried to commit suicide, unsuccessful, which I'm very thankful for. But um, during that, some stuff came out while she was in an institution for some mental illness stuff. Some stuff came out between him and the sister. And so there was a lot of baggage there. And his parents invited him over. He confessed to a lot of things that were not consensual and some consensual so there was just a lot of stuff there um and he came home disclosed it to me and I slept on our futon that night and then I was trying to go to work the next day and I called my mom from our work parking lot and I was like bawling I was like mommy can I come home and so I went home and I never went back and my parents actually went and packed up my stuff from our apartment we were already at the point of like closing a lease and stuff too. So that was honestly a God thing. But, um, 
so we stepped away from that house and he went off, did his own thing. I we moved back home for a season and I was still in this place of like, okay, can I make it work? Like, can I figure this out? Do I just need a break? Do I need to just let him figure his stuff out? Is, does that mean this marriage is over? And I was very hurt and angry and bitter in a lot of ways. And again, kind of found myself in this place of like, men. <laughs> I hate men. Like, and it was almost like kind of projecting back on the thought, like the Holy Spirit again of like, you did this again. Why are you doing this again? And so I was really broken. And in that same season, and this is kind of where, what brings me here tonight is in that same season, I found myself at New Song. And so my parents had, my mom had found New Song through online stuff and had heard a word from Pastor Josh. And she was like, we really need to check out this church. We were kind of church hopping, had some pastoral hurt happen in a previous church. And so we were kind of trying to figure out where we wanted to land as a family. And then I was going through that. And so I was like, oh gosh. So my first Sunday here was actually the worship night right after the fast of 2019, which for those of you guys who have not been to worship night at New Song, it will change your entire life, and I can promise you that. But I remember just being in this worship night, and I was so moved by the Holy Spirit that just like, wow, okay, like this is where I need to be, and you're putting me in a family when I feel like I've been abandoned by multiple people in my life. Like, I've been rejected. So, like, here I'm going to find family. And so I really plugged into New Song at that point. And, you know, fast forward a few months, I got asked by Pastor Jackson to, if I was interested in student ministry, which I had been, I had a huge heart for student ministry because, like I said, at 17, it was where I was really hit with the Holy Spirit for the first time in my own faith, in my own walk with the Lord. And so I was like, yes, I would love to serve in students. Yes. And we were still back at Noah's and it was me, you, Haley, Laurel, Annie and Matt had just started and Eman and Molly and I all started at the same time. And And Lisa and Jay. uh, Lisa and Jay. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was tiny. And worship once a month with an acoustic guitar, David Terry, yep. bless you. Yep. Um, but I just remember, I was like, wow, God, you're so good that like in the midst of this trauma and just pain and rejection, you placed me exactly where I needed to be at the right time. And then to kind of close the chapter of my marriage with Alex, you know, I was also in a worship night and I felt the Lord audibly speak to me and was I was still on that fence of like do I fix this do I walk away what do I do and the Lord audibly just spoke to me and was like are you going to cheat like keep trying to play God or are you going to let me do my job and I was like okay I'm done and so I walked away I told my mom and dad I was like I'm done I'm gonna pursue divorce I'm done I can't do it and I had really struggled with that because you know it's like when you are married, you're married for life. That's the intention. And so I really struggled with just the concept of divorce for a long time. And I think that's what really hit me and was so hard to process. But Well, and you were so young. I can't yeah. imagine you ever expecting that was no, going to be an outcome no, of your life. Absolutely not. And especially, you know, exactly when you're at 21, 22 years old, you're seeing all these, like, 
futuristic plans and dreams and building a house and kids and all this stuff and everything like with a match just explodes in your life. And so um, I went through a lot of counseling, a lot of trauma counseling, and through that, you know, really plugged me into students where you guys have no idea how much healing you guys have brought me, just being plugged into student ministry and hearing and seeing your hearts and your worship and just your faithfulness to serve the Lord has truly ministered to me so much. But um, then I got to date Brody, my sweet husband back there. And um, we have been together since March of 2021. So not that long, but we've known each other for nine years since high school. And it's crazy just the kind of, like I said, how I'm going to wrap this up is just the restoration of Jesus and the like faithfulness that, you know, here Broderick was a high school friend of mine, had no intention or thought process that that was ever going to come out to something romantic and we had never like lost connection but obviously appropriately through marriage you don't sit there and chat with men in your life so I had kind of just like stepped away from some friendships but not any ill intent or anything and then when we reconnected we hit it off right away and we knew very early on that this was where God was calling us and who God was calling us to. And I had prayed, you know, a few days leading up to that, like I had tried the online dating stuff, which was garbage. And people are a pain in the rear and they lie. And it was Just meet your spouse at church, awful. y'all. Seriously. I'll tell you that right now. Specifically meet your spouse at New Song <laughs> since you guys are here. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, and we have the best kids so meet them here that's right anyway so I you know just we hit it off right away we knew really early on and so that was our intent we pursued marriage and that we dated for the purpose of marriage and he proposed in November of 2021 and we got married a few weeks ago it'll be a month Sunday and Come on. so you know I just I just truthfully see so many parts of my story that in the pain and in the trauma were really hard, you know, to see the Lord in. But I now see how many just Tetris pieces he played through that whole thing. And while, you know, there was a lot of trauma and there was a lot of man hurt, he is a good father students he is he's such a good father and he's faithful to the end and if you he's also a gentleman and so you know while I found him at 17 I'm the one that dropped the ball there and continued down a path that I shouldn't have been down and so it wasn't him it was me but I needed that realization I needed that kind of gut punch of like this isn't the Holy Spirit this isn't your heavenly father this is an earthly sinful world and this is Hannah's decisions and so yeah. Um, I just want to close tonight with a scripture that like really stood out to me during this season. And I felt like as I was praying and preparing for um, tonight, just the Lord kind of brought this back to my memory. So I'm going to just speak it over you guys. It's first Peter five ten, And it says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. 
So I just encourage you students that no matter the trauma, the baggage, the family crap, whatever it is that God has been through every season and every story and every piece of the puzzle already, and he already knows the outcome. And so don't try to do it alone. Don't try to do it alone. Live your life connected to the vine, connected to who he's called you to be, and I promise you, you will make it through it. Amen. Amen. And, and uh, something that was really, I was just thinking about too, is, is trust God's plan. Because I know, I, I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure when you were in the middle of going through a divorce at 22, and um, I had invited you to, I had no idea Hannah was going through this when I yeah. invited her to serve at students. Um, you probably didn't expect that God would restore as quickly as he did. No, not at all. Like, I yeah. think you, pro- I mean, is that, is that yeah, fair? No, like, that you were probably thinking, like, this is going to be years and years. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely and- remember having feelings of, like, if I ever get married again, it's probably going to be, you know, like, years down the road because I remember feeling just a lot of things, like, who would want to marry somebody that has the baggage that I have? Or yeah. who would want to marry somebody that's as traumatized as I am by men, you know, just a lot of things. And it's so beautiful how God knew the right person at the right time. And Broderick's been so gracious and accepting through everything. And anytime I've ever been like triggered, he's always been like, okay, let's sit down. How can I help you? What can I do better? What can you do better? Let's work together as a team. And even our marriage has been that on display. Even in the last month, I feel like he's been so sweet. So I love Man, you, babe. We serve a really good father. Seriously. We serve. Y'all, can we thank God for Hannah's story? And <laughs> Hannah, um, I just want to pray for you. Um, I want to pray for you. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you were willing to sit in the hot seat tonight and share your story. That's a really bold thing to do. Um, but I believe that hearing your story, I know it reminds me of God's faithfulness and that, man, there there really isn't anything that God can't fix. Like there really isn't. Um, And so guys, would you just extend your hands forward? We're gonna pray for Hannah.